Well, Carly, what did you think of Sense8 Episode 13? Well, you know, it wasn't as scary as the previous ones, but I like what they did with... I don't know what Carly's impressions of these things are. She says, I loved it, Tucker. I loved it's when... The, <laughs> yeah? It's like cinema brought to the small screen. Lena was a hunk and a half, Tucker. Is how she usually <laughs> talks, so that's pretty good. Okay. That's a pretty good Carly. She'll be honored. I'm uh, sorry, Carly. No, Michael, we're reclaiming this podcast, and it's actually about ranking every movie from best to worst, if you can believe that. Yeah, it's it's been a while. It's been a while since the I last, could yeah. talk about Almost last, Famous. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so yeah, Trolls we're back was and we're here to talk film. about Almost Famous. Was it Trolls? Yes. I thought it might have been Valley Girl. It was Trolls, I believe. So we really stopped at a, at a high point for the, the podcast, then, I guess. Um. <laughs> And the list and the ranking. But no, we're here to talk about an actual movie. Almost Famous. Yeah. Yeah. Almost Famous. Michael, it's about you. It's your life. Uh, not quite, but. Are you wearing a Led Zeppelin t-shirt right now? Which one is it? Is it the one with the like angel? Or is it with the one with like the skull uh, no, holding no, no, the no, lantern? No, 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 no. Uh, it's the, uh, uh, the greatest hits. Oh, like the lame. Blimp. Okay. I know. Yikes. Target Why brand. Is that? No, it's, I think it's. Yeah, kind of. I mean, I bought it at a Walmart, but okay, fair enough. It was affordable. It's what you had in in Midwestern small towns. <laughs> Dark side of the moon cover T shirt. Wearing have one of those too. Going on yeah, right now. yeah. Okay. Uh, not wearing it, but I have it. Oh God, yep. What'd you think about this movie, Michael? Oh my, I liked it a lot. Me too, it's dude. A pretty good movie. It's a pretty good movie. It is um, a pretty good movie. Some weird, weird connections made to oh, uh, real life. life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Obviously, qu- not quite as fantastic, but I had I had flashbacks to the <laughs> the glory days of me being a music <laughs> journalist in college. Oh no! Um, I use glory days loosely. Uh, anyway. Hmm. Besides, I can't say glory days because this predates Born in the USA. It does. The time period it's in, at least. But uh, yeah, it's almost famous. Yeah. Let's, let's talk. Let's talk movie about Cameron Crowe self-insert. Yeah. Yeah. My anime journey through classic rock. Uh, yeah. <laughs> important uh, note here, Michael, or question. Um, did you watch the theatrical or the director's cut? I think the... I think theatrical. Okay. Was it way too long? It was a little long. I didn't okay. feel tired at any point okay. watching then it. That was but... probably the original cut because okay. <laughs> I watched the director's cut and man, there's a reason we have film editors to cut yeah. stuff out of movies because uh, I would not recommend that version of this film necessarily. Okay. But uh, okay. Uh, still good. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's good because I felt like... I mean, I think the original is not a short film. No, it's like, it's what, two epic. and a half hours? Yeah, an epic movie. Um, it's like a two hour, two and a half hour spiel. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like your your average movie length, I guess. You might um, have seen the director's cut. I don't know. Hmm. Well, I'm, that I'm sounds long. To, <laughs> hmm. Well, I don't know, because I feel like I would wind up on YouTube and... Just watching Elton be, John. Yeah. Um, 
Well, there'd be like refer- there'd be references to cutscenes, and I don't remember ever seeing those cutscenes. Okay, I can so sell all this. I can sell this real quick. Is there a scene yeah. where he's at his desk in his bedroom, and his sister's boyfriend crawls through the window and just awkwardly talks to him for like three minutes? No, no. Okay. So there we go. I did not watch the director's cut, which is good because that sounds like one of the kinds of uh, things that should be uh, cut from this movie. And it also sounds very in keeping with the Cameron Crowe we, yes. we interacted we with when we reviewed Hard Times. Absolutely. At, uh, hard Times at Fast Ridge. <laughs> Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Uh, um, take me through. Is what that, is this wonderful movie about? So we've got a young Cameron Crowe stand in whose name I forget, but. Like, it's it's supposed chat. to be what is it i have no idea i have absolutely okay, no idea yeah because yeah. it's supposed to be based off of his experience as a young reporter in the in his break in the music and music reporting world because he wrote for rolling stone um so we have this young not cameron crow cameron crow he dreams of being a music writer or or, or he's like your i think the beginning and he's like your your normal leave it to beaver kid Who's university professor mom? Francis McDormand. Um, Francis McDormand, who I really like in general. Yes. He's pretty good at this, especially in this movie. Um, he's your goody two shoes, but his sister is like, she's turned 18. She's in her rebellious, I need to make my own way kind of. Simon and Garfunkel having pot yeah. smoking teenage years <laughs> the, them rockers listening to simon and garfunkel Hell yeah. um my god when i when i hear hear america i just need to need to start banging the head um that, that song is very good <laughs> i love that song yeah. i'm not a big simon and garfunkel fan but i think yeah. america is a fantastic song used um, very well here exactly yeah yes so that's the 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 setup though is as she's on her way out, she leaves him her record collection yeah. and he, he starts pouring over this, particularly the who's Tommy. And <laughs> yep. it's like mind blowing. It opens his eyes yeah. and he becomes fixated on becoming a rock and roll writer. Now he writes fan mail to Lester bangs and stuff <laughs> like that. And um, um, the scene where he is going through that record collection is I think done super, super well. Yeah. And I can yeah. relate to it a lot. That's really cool. Yes. Yeah. No, it's like, it's, I had that same moment as a kid and it was the same bands, which is weird for <laughs> yeah. us here in the 21st century, but. Were you like petting the covers ever so yeah. gracefully? Just, oh, it's Jimi Hendrix. I need every shirt I have to be Jimi <laughs> Hendrix or Led Zeppelin. I need their posters on the wall. <laughs> oh, I need to buy no. a record player and have used copies of Dark Side of the Moon. It's 2006. Yeah. Uh, okay. Parents are concerned. Why aren't you learning guitar to play? Why aren't you playing Fallout Boy? Why are you playing Pink That's Floyd? Right. That's exactly right. Um, the new yeah, hotness, but, uh, son. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, but uh, so it's, it's like this really cool. He gets his his opening by writing fan mail to, to Lester Bangs and, and pitches him and stuff like that. Meets him in person while Lester Bangs, the, the famed rock critic, is bumming around his hometown. Um. They get the, he gets he has to sneak into a Black Sabbath concert because he's not on the list or whatever. That's right. And instead, he sneaks in with this group, Stillwater, Stillwater, who are like a stand-in for all of these bands uh, Cameron Crowe dealt with back in the seventies, like the Elman Brothers and Poco and Poco. Jesus, yeah, uh, they're kind of like not. They're like on the up and up, but they're not. Uh, 
selling out arenas yeah. or anything. They're yeah, they've like, got like a openers. single. I think I think the thing is that they've got a single at this moment. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So then it's just the movie is he gets invited to follow them out to L.A. and then the editor for uh, Rolling Stone calls him, thinking after reading his interview in Cream magazine. Ooh. And says, would you like to follow this band around? We'll pay for all your expenses. And he thinks Cameron Crowe, young Cameron Crowe, who isn't Cameron Crowe, is an adult. And right. then it just becomes this like goofy. Hello. Yeah, like and then it becomes this goofy thing where this 15-year-old is bumming around with all of these, these like sweaty 20-something, early, late 20-somethings out on the, the road as they try to make their name as a rock band and dealing with all the, the pressures of being a rock band. It's good. This is a good mixed setup, into the, I think. Yeah, yeah. And mixed into this is like a, a someone else who's maybe in a similar place. Yeah. A, she's not a roadie. No, that's right. She's not a groupie. Important distinction. It's a very important distinction. They're not groupies. Um, but she's... Uh, what did she... I. Why am I blanking on her name? What they what her nickname was in this. Penny Lane. It was, oh, Penny Lane. Penny yes. Lane. Yeah. Miss Lane. It was some, some sixties rock song. And right. it was, it was the Beatles, Penny Lane. Um, she loves the music, man. She does. She does. She's a free spirit, man. But, um, not a completely free spirit. Cause there's a connection. Yeah. To Stillwater. To Stillwater's guitarist, whose name I forget, but it doesn't matter because he plays the character. He sure does. He's an archetype. <laughs> and, uh, God, and there's like resentment in the band because he's kind of breaking away and becoming a star. And yeah, like people go, people see Stillwater to see the guitar player and not the rest of the band. And yeah, he's on the t shirt and he's not out of focus, but they are. And that's the whole thing. Yeah. 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 Which is good. It's all cool. It's yeah. all a good setup, I think. It's right. like this is a fun. You've got, yeah, you've got these two people who see different things in this, the, what I think is like this romanticized vision of, of rock and roll music, right, right? which is what gets a lot of, or just music in general, which is what gets a lot of people into like the, 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 the popper, like the, what the, the music scene in general. Yeah. Cause I feel like you could have the same story today. Oh, totally. With, yeah. with any genre, with hip hop, with, uh, with, with general pop or with any kind of subgenre. Imagine Dragons. Um, yeah, follow, following Imagine Dragons around. Uh, awful lot of sleeping on the bus for some reason. Um, so, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's a cool setup. It's like, it's instantly, it was instantly relatable for me watching this because it's like, I saw the same things. And, yeah. and you're dealing with... And, young Cameron Crowe stand and has to deal with the same kind of pressures you get jumping in. It's like, you want to, you want to belong, man, but yeah. you have to be me. Uh, what the, I think uh, the, the Lester Bangs line is truthful and unmerciful. Yeah. Or something, which is really good. And yeah. there's all these pressures of being too nice versus. Right. Actually reporting instead of. Yeah. Just like, yeah doing yeah. your job as a critic, right. which is such a real pressure and i felt it and it's like ah i don't know <laughs> it's really cool and then you get these kind of like ins and outs yeah you have him dealing with that that sense of belonging to this rock band while also having to be able to keep his distance because he's the enemy he is the enemy 
Um, You've got Penny Lane, who's kind of presenting this other side of things. Kind of flirting with them, too. Yeah, a little flirty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, But she's got her heart on for... She's got her heart for uh, uh, the guitar player who's who's got his own wife at home and is definitely a sleazeball. That whole scene is so uncomfortable. Yeah, it is. Dang. Uh, but like, there's, there are these cool pressures. I think these cool, these, these characters representing different, and they're, I think they're very pigeonholed into what they're representing in this movie. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like they're not, it's not that they're not complex in their own ways, but it's like they're, they have a very set role Yeah. in this plot and in this movie. And they represent very clear, I think images that are, are attached to. I think this more plutonic image of rock and roll and this more plutonic image of popular music. Yeah. This is not, but, he's not making a documentary about his youth. He's making a movie. He's telling a story. Yeah. That's drawing from yeah. that whole thing. Um, there's a really great element of not meeting your heroes in this movie that I think yeah. plays out really interestingly. Um, yeah. And it's something that, yeah. Because he's Definitely. so disillusioned towards the end of this movie, and it, it's a really weird tone to mm-hmm. kind of kind of uh, marinate in during this last third of this movie, where he just leaves it all behind, basically, and he comes back and he's just fed up with everything, and it's kind of up to you know the scumbag guitar player to kind of right the wrongs and yeah, get your and even fair then yeah, you get your fairy tale ending, and I think there's at least a little bit of like. I think there's I, I think there's still a little bit of of a combination of both this this idealism still attached there, like even the the sleaze baggy <laughs> guitar player is willing to to kind of humble himself, but at the same time there's like this this uh, I don't want to say realism because I think the whole thing kind of wraps up as a fairy tale rather than like an actual. Yeah. Representation. We're, of the music we're successful scene. now, guys. We did it. And then it's like, woo. Yeah. We're back on the bus. We're doing it our way. <laughs> yeah. Not with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, Jimmy um, Fallon's so bad and everything. I hate him. <laughs> um But like there's this like there's that fairy tale side to it, but also there's the side of it, you know, like he didn't willingly approach like like the guitar player didn't willingly go to this house to meet with with the the person he slighted right who who's technically whose career he would have blown to hell at (laughs) age 15 yeah terrible Um, thing to do yeah absolutely (laughs) it's not like he spends the rest of the movie building back up from that it's like at the end of the movie you find out he's terrible and then they kind of swing it back a little bit at the end where he's like okay yeah when when presented with it he's at least willing to yeah do the right thing but it's not of his own will initially because <laughs> why would it be because he's just a rock and roll guy it's like i, I, yeah, I it's really like he would like never that. see this kid, like plausibly he'd never see this kid again yeah it, it you really don't come out of this movie being like man rock stars are really cool it's just kind of yeah like, no they play music and are people and have a lot of problems it turns out and yeah can be jerks yeah yeah but still exactly. interesting Yes. Philip Seymour Hoffman. I loved him as Lester Bangs. <laughs> yeah. He's perfect. That was great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's, 
Like he's he's got this like like he's been jaded by the whole thing, man. He knows what's really going on. He loves the doors or whatever was going on. In you there. know, he hates the doors. Oh, he hates he's the like doors. pissing all over Jim Morrison, but then he's like Iggy Pop. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it's a little too early there. Oh, I don't know. We're post Stooges at this point. No, it's too early in the day. She won't let him play. Oh, it. but he oh, does yeah, it's too anyway. early for it. Yeah. Like, you gotta play this real music. None of that doors shit. Um, he's sitting there. He's giving his advice to him is like, "Look, man, this job, this this universe sucks. We're ox in a bad place right now. Yeah, you gotta find your like own way through it, and you have to remember <laughs> that you are your only friend." And he's selling this all to like a fifteen year old. Yeah, and then yeah. gives him like his first shot at actual reporting, which is really cool, and. Later on, there's that scene where he's he's uh, where uh, the the Cameron Crowe insert has to try to get an extension. So uh, his the the Lester Bangs gives him the advice, like gives him this like phony script on his hand, like it's a think piece about a band that's <laughs> wrestling yeah. with start the 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 introduction to stardom or something. And the the editor from Rolling Stone, Ben Fong Torres, calls and like everything. Lester Banks told him to say he said and it worked perfectly that sounds like, really cool such a perfect moment I yeah. thought yeah because it's so like I think it it makes Lester Banks earlier kind of fun and like he knows exactly how to play everyone yeah. and yeah like he knows he was in and out he's yeah yeah it's good it's good it's I really love good. I love that he's just like rock is dead and it's like 74 or whatever and it's like yeah <laughs> yeah yep 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 yeah, it's I could bad just watch. time, man. Rock is. <laughs> it's over. It's corporate. Uh, I could watch the kid and Philip Seymour Hoffman talk about music journalism for two hours. Yeah, it was great. It was such a great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun. Um, yeah, man. I. Yeah, it's just I think this is really solid. Great soundtrack. Obviously. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Uh, there, you've got that 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 scene with Tiny Dancer, like the. Yeah iconic dude iconic hold me closer tony danza um the live performances i think are a lot of fun and feel authentic in a way yeah and i wonder how much of that is like russell is like i was gonna say russell crowe cameron crowe in his element as a director yeah because like this is this feels like if there's a movie he would make and do well, it's this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was born to make this movie, and here we are. Exactly. Yeah. And and I think like he's got that expertise to be able to make a good rock and roll concert work. Right. Knows how to make these characters do what they need to do on stage. Knows how to make it feel, make the scene feel like the scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about Penny Lane? Um. I'm coming off the director's cut, which I think kind of, I think you get a lot more of her character. Mm-hmm. I think she is good in the original cut, though. I think that she, she almost has like a manic pixie dream girl quality to her in a way. But I think that fits because she's kind of this unobtainable, like this kid's like 15, right? Yeah. And he's got like this gorgeous woman that he's hanging out with on like a rock and roll tour bus. Like I think that she's going to be built up in his mind in a certain way. And I think they capture that really well. Yeah. Um, and then I think it, uh, I guess I maybe wish it wrapped up better or something. I don't, I don't know. I don't think it 
it lands that whole storyline. But I think it's a good further element in this. I don't think this would work as well if it was just the kid following this band around. I think this extra character really helps um, yeah. kind of tease out what is going on with this band and why it's not quite what it seems. Yeah. And I think she feel like I feel weird because obviously she's on the cover of it, of it and everything. <laughs> yeah, it feels yeah. like maybe they, that it's, it's, if it can feel a little grody at points, but uh, <laughs> I like that. Michael. Well, I mean, cause it feels like she has, like she fills this, this role for, because a, a part of this movie feels like it's a coming of age story in a way. Yeah. Like young Cameron Crowe is becoming an adult. He's on his first assignment. He's doing his own thing while his mom sends angry phone calls to every hotel. Yes. Um, and a part of that is like this, this uh, I feel almost obligatory first romance side yeah. of it as well. Yeah. And I think having Penny Lane presented as this almost idyllic character in a way yeah in that way works in that sense i don't know how i feel about whether or not her character's completely done justice yeah um because it feels so much of it is is in service specifically for young cameron crow stand in whose name i should probably just look up at this point (laughs) (laughs) and 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 for the the guitar player in stillwater russell Right? Russell. 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 Yeah, Russell, yeah, I yeah. think. Um, and that feels a weird a bit. In a spe- and it feels kind of bad that so much of that feels like it's it's not fair to her as a character. Yeah. Even if she does kind of have this, like, I don't want to say redemption at the end, but this, like, she has the agency in the end that kind of writes the, the story so it gets its fairy tale ending. Yeah. Suppose. And then she gets her kind of like happy ending. She gets her plane ticket to Morocco. <laughs> right. Which felt a little corny too, but. Yeah, because that wasn't actually supposed to happen. But. Uh, I'm sure Cameron Crowe, you don't even know how to write a movie. <laughs> Gosh darn it. I uh, I think. I mean, even if she's not a super great character, I think that scene in the hotel room. Yeah. Justifies all of that whole plotline because I think that's really really good where he the enemy just kind of has to grow up immediately and yeah. be the adult in that situation and well that feels like yeah. yeah it's like the shattering point that's like the breaking point that's yeah. when the dream fully blows apart because you can see the harm that this world has on people yeah yeah like it almost killed this this woman yeah um and it sounded like they quite frankly didn't give a shit until they were told it almost killed her. Right. And so. he, I mean, it just sucks all of the magic out of what he's been doing in a really effective way. I think it does the same thing for the, the viewer. And I think that's good filmmaking right yeah, there. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think at the end of the day, it just, it feels like it doesn't, do her i it just it feels weird that so much of her role in this movie is just specifically for yeah for this ca- she's like a catalyst for things to happen more than yeah living breathing yeah 
which is it feels especially which feels ex- I don't want to use the word exploitative, but maybe I do since she's over all the billing material and yeah, over yeah. like the the posters and. I get what you're saying, Michael. I can yeah. agree with it. But at the same time, it also feels like maybe she's supposed to be that image as well because it feels like she's the she plays this like free spirited. This is like the good of rock and roll or the good yeah, of the music the industry. Dream. Like this is, it gives you this dream and stuff, but also that she's the one that's ultimately broken by it. Yeah. And then maybe as like a, a, a metaphor that works, but as like a, an actual person, yeah. it feels a little. It's like, who are you lady? You're grody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would sure. be my only, would maybe be my big criticism there. Otherwise, like I, I love the scenes that she was a part of and a major yeah. part of. She's uh, she has a magnetic presence on screen. It's just like, well, it's just like I mean, the main kid is kind of like, and then you just get her, and she's just like a sunbeam directly into your yeah. face, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah. What What did you think of the main kid? He did. Did he do a good job? Is he dorky in the right well, way? Well, I mean, we neither of us remember his actual name, so he was in uh, Queen of Earth, one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Okay, okay. Duly noted. Um, you know, slap that in under trolls. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's, it's, it feels, I, I think he's just kind of a vehicle for the plot to kind of roll along, to kind of get like your first, like your first taste of the, the music industry, the way yeah. Cameron Crowe had his first taste. Yeah. You know, you go in with the starry eyes, and then once you actually spend time with, with it, it feels kind of, you, awesome. Like you, you, you get that, you get that jadedness out of it. He's, yeah. yeah. I don't know if I feel like, like it feels at mm-hmm. times like he is there just to have the to watch the world around him. <laughs> yeah, Function. he's good at that though. He's got the big wide doll eyes. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. He's got his little recorder that he pulls out every so often. <laughs> and he's like, now tell me, what do you like about rock and roll? We'll talk later. We'll talk later. Yeah, we'll, we'll reschedule. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's it's I think he's a fun catalyst for bringing these different forces in in the story together and yeah sometimes to conflict and not because it's fun having him have a conversation with the folks at Rolling Stone and then have him having a conversation with Lester Bangs yeah to get these like two totally different worlds yeah. pulling at it yeah. it's fun with him kind of being the one that spark that that is there to watch. Or even spark some of the the back and forth between the band members and yeah, Russell. When you did that slide run on Dog Fever, <laughs> blew me away, man. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, and he can fade into the background if he needs to, which, which is, is a lot. good because that's his his. Well, that's your role as a journalist, and also it's yeah. his role as. It's good because that's a good role for him in this plot because part because it feels like the part of the movie you want to see. At least a large part of it is that world itself. Yeah, tearing itself like the, apart. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right. And then I, I also think some of the development he has as a character works too. The yeah. like that I, I do feel like that hotel scene is perfect in that it it helps. Like that that feels like felt like good character development. It felt like it yeah. was built up to that point well, and that point felt like a good point to have that. Yeah, kind of world shattering moment he carries himself differently after that in a kind of subtle way that's good i don't know if he's i don't know if i would call him a good actor in this movie but i think he 
does well enough. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't distract from the yeah. track from the movie itself. Uh I think Russell is good. Yeah. Billy. Yes. He's a good yeah. actor. Um obviously Red House Painters guy, uh a huge <laughs> friend of the podcast. Uh ooh. Uh yes. Wait, uh, yes. wait, wait. Never mind. That's not true. I've struck that. Um actually we hate him. Uh <laughs> yikes. Um, uh those yeah, that the context here is is <laughs> maybe should we share the context here? It feels kind of important. Um yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, yeah. So we're recording this podcast about a couple days after that he, that huge pitchfork article came out and uh accused the Red House painters Mark Kozelik. Yeah. Kozelik. Other uh, however you want. Yeah. 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 Of uh, some pretty substantial sexual harassment claims. It's kind of a yeah crazy thing to happen at this moment as we're reviewing this movie where he plays a bass player. <laughs> yeah, he's um, uh, he's awful. It turns yeah. out. Uh, yeah. Great musician. But, Terrible person. Yeah, kind of crazy. Came around at this moment. Um, yes. So. But uh, kind of hangs over that movie now for me in a way where it's kind of. In a like, way. Oh. I think it helped that I didn't realize it was him at first. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, because he's. And he's then just he, like, he has such a background. Ooh. It feels like the. Yeah. <laughs> he's just the, like a forehead with a bass guitar. I don't know. Yeah. They dress him up to look a little like a, a, a session musician from. Yeah. Whenever. And. Yeah. I mean, that's I that. don't know. I don't know. Um, how do you feel about the rest of Stillwater, though? Good. Yeah. I mean, well, the, the drummer, I think, is like a one joke character that I'm not. And that joke felt weird. Yeah. Ish. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But uh, but lead <laughs> yeah. singer being like your your Jared Leto esque yes. yes. fellow was was fun. Yes. I, w- I really like Billy as Russell. Yeah. And I like uh, what's his face as the kind of rival. The singer. The Yeah. Yeah. He was very good as well, I thought. I, I my name is Earl. Wrote at least, yeah, my name is Earl Guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wrote down at least one or two quotes from his goofy interviews. Oh, like the okay. I thought they yeah. were they were really <laughs> hit me special. The in eleven years it's going to be nineteen eighty four. Think about that, man. So much conviction too when he says, "Yeah, it. I know." Yeah. And he's going off on these like weird tangents, and it's it's fun because they're so not grounded in reality. Yeah, or so much of it is so like aloof. <laughs> he thinks about it a lot, but he probably shouldn't. Is what it feels yeah. like to me. Yeah. So I liked him. I liked him in that role. It made for good. At least it made for at least a believable setup for the 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 kind of spark in the band where he's sparring with with the with Russell because yeah. Russell's the one on the t shirt. Right. Right. And that people cheer for Russell, not the singer. Yeah. And you can see why immediately, but you can still understand. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Why? Because like if yeah. there's anyone on that stage like you're drawn to, or if there's anyone in that that band that feels like they actually have a <laughs> like that star power to them. <laughs> yeah. It is the guitar player. And they, I think they yeah. do a good job of delineating that it is. You would want to see Russell. He seems like he has that energy on the stage. They do a good job with that. Those, those brief glimpses of the stage. He's got yeah. that personality when he's at that party, he's like the center of attention. Right. Right. And it works for the most part. It's believable. 
Oh yeah, my name is Earl Guy, and he's like, I'm here too, and I'm talented enough, I guess. I don't know. I can sing. It's yeah. we, we agreed that we're gonna do this for the love of rock and roll, man. Let's go. And then they do leave like at the gas too? station. Yeah, <laughs> they leave them at the gas station. Oof. Uh yeah. Yep. You're gonna leave your singer, man. <laughs> mean. Yeah, that's good. That's a good visual yeah. representation of exactly what's happening. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Uh, I think so too. Um, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's a good setup. Um Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Good movie all around. Uh Francis McDormand. Always as, great. As, uh, yep. Uh yeah, eh? uh <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, pretty good. Yeah. She's uh I can't think of a bad performance from her. She's just great in everything. Yeah. Including this movie. Including this as, movie. It's like the worry wart mom who's the professor and caught up in a bunch of crazy like goofy goofy uh californian mom things or yeah whoever they're no at more christmas yeah christmas in september when it's not being exploited as a capitalist holiday <laughs> yeah something like that it's good i like that uh it seems and it seems like cameron crowe likes kind of poking at that character type yeah yeah a bit or i don't know i don't know it's it's yeah it's like cause she's fun. there as a parody but she's also like a realized character like yeah. she's like you can see that these things that are happening make her kind of change her mind on stuff and it, like like you can tell she cares you can tell she's having actual reactions to the world around her and it's changing her as the mom and how she cares for uh young cameron crow stand in and how she cares for his sister and yeah yeah you feel for her because her kids have abandoned her and yeah. it's like, and, ouch, yeah. that would suck. <laughs> and they're, yeah, and they're doing some crazy things, too. Yeah. Yeah. Her whole life is basically spiraling out of control through this whole movie, and she puts on a brave face. Yeah. Oh, and then um, her talking to Russell is so good. That was such a good, yeah, yeah. On the phone and then out. in person, yeah. it was, yeah. it was a good build up to that moment, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It felt like it felt like Francis McDormand's role here paid off. Yes. In a way. So just like Zoe Deschanel. Who was there for like two scenes. Heck Someday yeah. you'll be cool, Tucker. Thanks, man. You're twelve, she says, or whatever. I don't know. She's fine. Yeah. Yeah, she does her job. I love it's so awkward in a believable way when she's like this song will explain everything and then she plays america by simon garfield i think that's perfect yeah uh there's a scene that was never uh it was filmed but it was not actually it's not even in the director's cut where they just play the entirety of stairway to heaven for the mom yeah that was one of the ones i think that i saw pop up as like a recommended (laughs) yeah thing the almost famous stairway to heaven scene it's like what yeah, you have to bring your own music, though, because they didn't license it. So you just have to play Stairway to Heaven <laughs> for yourself. And then you can see him like doing air drums and getting into it. Really? It's cute. They couldn't get Stairway? Uh, I think I feel they... like this is one of the few moments that Led Zeppelin's music. Because there's another Led Zeppelin song somewhere in this movie. Yeah. Right? When they're going to New York, I think there's a, a Led Zeppelin song. Yeah, they're song. doing uh, like Misty Mountain Hop. Yes. It's even the same album. Whoa. It's even the same album. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Okay. Well, Michael, do you okay. have any notes? I have written notes. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
uh, I at the beginning I wrote that I like the opening, the synth number in the opening credits. Uh, I love Francis McDormand freaking out over Simon and Garfunkel of all bands. Mm-hmm. They're on pot. Yeah, I wrote they're on pot, pot and then a little dash, Simon and Garfunkel. Um, yeah, she points to the eyes, and there yeah. you get the close up of the record. Um, there's that that feck you bit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And it's like, what's the difference? The letter U? Or no, it's uh U? <laughs> U? Um U. the 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 note that she left with the her record collection, listen to Tommy with a candle burning and you'll, you'll see your future. entire future. And that was such a goofy line having <laughs> lived, having lived Tom- through ha- it lived having loved Tommy as a kid. Yeah. It's like it's like <laughs> maybe not really but dude he plays um, sparks though sparks is awesome no sparks is great that was the perfect song for that moment yeah um i wrote lester banks is kind of a dick oh i love it though i love that i do too no i do too level. and he's talking about how it's like an instant industry of cool and then less <laughs> like his line is honest and uh unmerciful and i love that his house um, is great. Yeah. Yeah. Just records uh, everywhere. Just a nightmare landmine record collection. Yeah. Do you think he organized it? <laughs> High fidelity style? Probably not. No. Chronological. <laughs> yeah. Biographical. Um, I loved all of the phone calls with Francis McDormand. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. made sure I wrote that as a note because I did. Mm-hmm. I wrote the quote about it being 1984 and 11 years and how you should think about that, man. I'm thinking about it right now. Uh, the Tiny Dancer is a good song is a note that I wrote because that Tiny Dancer uh, scene came on and I was like, I'm here for it. Okay, sure. Well, that's, that's probably my favorite my favorite Elton John record, but okay, okay. Okay. Make me feel bad for it, Tucker. Shame me for my taste. Uh, it's not Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatter's, but I understand. Yeah, sure, sure. Not everything can be Levon, but okay. Oh. Um, don't the the this exchange with uh, Penny Lane that don't you have any regular friends? And famous people are more interesting. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Okay, okay. Um, I love the the part where Lester Bangs the thing that Lester Bangs says to tell Ben Von Torres works. Right, the where he the, buys it. the note, yeah, where he takes the hook, yeah, and it's like it's perfect. It works exactly how he said it would happen. <laughs> yeah, that was I thought perfect. Yeah, um, they're talking about that Crosby weed, that that uh, <laughs> Dave Crosby weed. I mean, I wrote that down because I thought it was hilarious. Um, there's that bit. Uh, where there's this like short monologue from Lester Bangs about rock and roll while you have Penny Lane kind of dancing to herself in the ballroom. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I liked it. Yeah. It was kind of a cool, it felt a little weird and I liked that a bit. It felt a little more, it felt like that was kind of where, if there's like a, we're trying to sneak a message out here, man. (laughs) I felt like maybe this is, this is Cameron Crowe trying to paint a picture rather than tell a story. Okay, sure. Um, 
the poster oh the airplane sequence um i just wrote down airplane uh i think it was interesting they worked it in there because the the airplane thing where it's like about to fall out of the sky it's like this is like one of the token rock and roll seven, 70s yeah. rock and roll stories yeah, yeah, yeah. is the the Leonard Skinner one. So it's it. like okay, there's the we're we're here, we're set up with it. <laughs> yep. Um and then you get everyone just kind of blowing up at each other and that the how it's kind of you get the weird line from the drummer that I feel like was a weird joke. So I made sure I included that as a note cuz I thought it was a <laughs> It, it, the 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 where he comes out of the closet because the plane's about to fall out of the sky and it just feels like it's a punchline. Sure, that feels like it hasn't aged well. You have Jimmy Fallon freaking out about how much he hates his job. God, I hate Jimmy Fallon so much. <laughs> um, respectfully. But then, like the the post, there's like this sequence after the shit kind of hits the fan, and after Cameron Crowe inserts back home, where you get close-ups of posters Ooh. ish is like a transition. Like the first one's Jimi Hendrix, but then the next one's Abraham Lincoln. And that's followed by a close-up of Russell. Whoa. And I like a, like a profile shot of Russell. And I thought it was a really cool transition. <laughs> okay. And yeah, that's I about all I've got is like notes that, of things that stood out to me. Okay. Well, that's okay, Michael. Cause that means it's time to rank this sucker. Okay. Right? We haven't done this in a while. I think that's how that no, goes. No, we haven't. I think, yeah, I think we're in the raking moment. Okay. Uh, so we've got the list. Should I read the I'm list? looking at a list. You shall. Do you want to? Uh, do we start from the bottom? Yes. We start from the bottom. So at the bottom, so the worst movie ever made, according to the Sprocket, as of August 2020, is Trolls. DreamWorks Trolls. You have Followed to do this passive. about 10 times faster, Michael. Okay, okay. Followed by The Pacifier, starring Vin Diesel. Followed by The Incredible Hulk, the one with Edward Norton. Uh, followed by The Polar Express, starring Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks, and Tom Hanks. Followed by Iron Man 2. Followed by Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Dream Warriors. Followed by Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog. Followed by Fast Times at Ridgemont High, the other Cameron Crow movie on this list, and his debut as a director. Uh, followed by Hard Target. Followed by Atomic Blonde. Followed by Valley Girl. Followed by Secret of Nim. Followed by Iron Man, The Matrix, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Red Line, The Nightmare Before Christmas. And then in our top four, we've got The Witch. Raw, all the president's men, and Mad Max Furry Road. Mm. Mm. Atomic. Uh, (laughs) We really put an atomic bomb below Valley Girl, huh? That's where we. Yeah, that happened. Uh, I don't know if that's aged well or not. (laughs) Very cool. I don't know. Very cool. Uh, It's. mm. Hmm. Um, If only you could rank a, a movie based off its use of. Tiny Dancer. Oh, this is a tiny dancer. Okay. Um, so where are you thinking? Well, top half, thoughts? it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, I will do you one better. Hmm. I was thinking below all the president's men. Whoa. Like, whoa. But I feel like maybe I should hedge on that and actually say below raw. <laughs> Either way, I feel top five at the moment. So Okay. Uh... I don't know if that's maybe a bit of a... A leap for hair tucker. I mean, I like this movie a lot. Um, 
I've maybe seen it too many times where it kind of has dulled some of its mm-hmm. magic a little bit. Um, I guess I would say if you have a range in mind, I would personally shoot to the bottom of that range or towards the bottom of that range. Okay. And I'd be willing to walk it back a bit. Is there like a, a place you absolutely won't go? Uh, no, not really. I wouldn't put it any lower than, I guess, Iron Man. <laughs> so like, that's, <laughs> so we're still in the top half. Yeah, right? I haven't good. narrowed this down at all. Um, um, I would, no, hmm. that's fair. I think I may be a little hyped off of this. And if I was to, you know, drink some, drink some tea and think about it a little mm-hmm. more, I'm, I, cause I'm already feeling like I should walk it back a bit. It's really good. It I is think this good. is a quality feel, film. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I came into the, I came out of it with a lot of like excitement, but a part of that yeah. was also that. Finally, I, representation, you said. Yeah. A young white man <laughs> who wrote about music once in college of all places finally Drugs. feels like he's connected to a movie. Um, but there was some of that. There was like a, a I, I get the coming out of interviews and yeah. feeling like, Oh, you need to, these people opened up to you, man. They must be cool. Or like, uh, that immediacy, like, Oh, it's cool. I'm here. I'm listening to this thing. I haven't heard yet. It's kind of cool. Yeah. And then reality is like, eh. yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's hard. It's legitimately <laughs> hard to be good at it because you don't want to be mean to people when really right. you should be, you should be sharper. You should be um, <clears throat> honest and uh, un- unmerciful. We have to be, but like that's a real tension. Yeah, like, it's like a real tension, and I get it, and I and I felt that because it was like, yes, oh, I remember all of that. <laughs> I hear you. Don't meet your heroes, right? Never meet um, your heroes. Uh, I would say I'm gonna say it should probably go above red line. Okay. And you sound level-headed, Michael. I'll let you take it from there. You think it should go above red line? I think it should probably go above red line, yeah. Huh. Tucker, I really like red line. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I if got. I go back to, I don't know. I feel like if I go back to him, maybe I don't know if it'd be red line or this. Uh, I know which one I would go back to first. <laughs> I do. Yeah. But you see, I, I am, as the kids say, mm-hmm. uh, I saw those yeah, bracket like, votes come in, Michael. I know what you're going to say. I like anime. The weep um, vote is in. The weep vote is in. The weeps uh, have it. Actually, now that I think about it more, I feel like my comfort zone is actually above Redline and below Nightmare. That works for me. Because I feel like there's, like going up this list, there's a certain... <clears throat> terrible prestige. quality. A certain smell. Yeah, a certain terrible quality. <laughs> I just, it feels like there's, hmm. I think I would say above red line below nine or before Christmas. Okay. More than I'm thinking about it. I think we should lock that in now and never think I about feel, it again. Yeah, it's locked that in. I feel good about it too. Cause okay. I think this is like a, it's a very good movie, but the more that I'm thinking about it, the more I'm thinking that I would probably cool to it after a while. Sure. In a way that I wouldn't, uh, in a way that I haven't, uh, well, I wasn't a big fan of Nightmare Before Christmas, but I get it. Uh, <laughs> um, I just want to say right now, putting the pacifier above trolls is the smartest decision we have made and probably the smartest decision we will make on this list looking at it. 
Because <laughs> I think that is the absolute right call, and I'm glad we did that. I am too. I, I feel very good about it. I feel very good about the way that bottom half looks right now. Um, <laughs> Atomic Blonde is such a weird... It just feels so low. Like It I get does, it. but at the I same time... It feels like half that movie is in the top half and half that movie is not. Yeah, it's in the right place. It just it jumped out at me going through this. I was like, whoa, kind of slumming it there, Charlize, a little bit. You're at the top. Yeah. Uh, she's at the top, yeah. She's um, arguably one of the best parts of that movie at the whoa, top. Okay, okay. Walk her back there, Michael. Walk okay, her back. Okay, okay. Um, what are we doing next, dude? Uh, I was going to kind of defer that decision to you. I feel like uh, I picked Almost Famous because I wanted to pick a good movie. And I've heard good oh. things. It was on the list. Uh, hmm. Okay. Do I get to pick? You do. Noah by Darren Aronofsky. Oh, really? Yep. Like as in the... the yep. <laughs> the, is that Russell Crowe? Yep. We're jumping from one grow to the other crow. <laughs> I suppose so. Uh, okay. One Russell to another. Um, yeah. One Russell to another, one crow to another. That movie sounds fascinating, and I'd really love to hear what you think of it. So. I am ready for that discourse. Okay. All right. Very good. I'll see you back here. I'm sorry you have to go watch Noah, but it'll be fun. Mm-hmm.